0: This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to get to visit with a remarkable CEO, Rochelle Schultz. Rochelle's the CEO of Winona Health. We had a chance to visit with Rochelle about a year ago in the midst of the pandemic. And now, hopefully, we're moving towards sort of a, uh, hopefully, it's not just a valley in the pandemic, but moving towards sort of the slowing down of the pandemic. Ro- Rochelle, can you take a moment and tell us about? yourself and Winona Health, then we want to talk about strategy and competition and what you're focused on for the next year and a little bit more. Rochelle?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you, Scott. Um, Good to be visiting with you again. So just a little background on me. I am, uh, as you mentioned, the CEO of Winona Health, uh, which is a community uh, healthcare system in Southeast Minnesota. We're located right on the Mississippi River. And uh, to the southeast of us is La Crosse, Wisconsin, and to the west, a little north, is Rochester, Minnesota. So just to kind of get the the placement of all of that. Um, I've been the CEO here for, um, I'm in my 20th year, uh, which is probably a bit of an anomaly in, in the world of healthcare CEOs right now. But um, it's been an awesome organization to be a part of and um, lots of exciting things going on. Um, Our organization is 127 years old, so been around for quite a long time, and um, really sort of a birth through end of life continuum. So we have hospital, clinics, uh, senior services, community-based, and we've been expanding out into some different kinds of partnerships um, also in the community to sort of extend our, our services and so forth. So. Um, you know, we're, we're you know, kind of call ourselves small but mighty. Um, we've got, you know, big bold ideas and and um, ways that we're thinking about, you know, changing the way healthcare is delivered and, and particularly in, in, in rural communities. So um, it's really been my pleasure to be a part of, of this organization and the work that we do.
0: And, and, and let me ask you this question. So you, you mentioned your sort of equidistance from Mayo Clinic or Rochester and then lacrosse and so forth. And I don't know if lacrosse is 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 uw lacrosse or if the the health system there's marshfield but either way you're not that far from you know mayo clinic magnificent health system one of the top one or two in the in the entire world how do you how do you make sure you carve out the right spot for Winona health in that context of being a neighbor you know or a regional neighbor of of a Mayo clinic
1: right yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting because I have Mayo on both sides of me, actually. So Rochester, you know, is is how we refer, you know, sort of the mother house. That's sort of the big Mayo, you know, clinic. Um, and then over in La Crosse, there's actually two um, tertiary centers there. One is uh, a Mayo-La Crosse facility, and then Gunderson uh, uh, Health System is also the other one. So all three of them are referral centers of ours. Um, and I think over the years, you know, we have really worked to maintain really good, strong relationships, um, you know, for our patients in our community, because we're pretty clear about our service area, and making sure that we get, you know, patients where they need to go, um, whether that's you know, choice, personal choice, or whether that's insurance driven, you know, in terms of um, networks and all of those kinds of things, um, you know, but kind of working back and forth. And, uh, you know, I have to say, I, I think we've had really great collaboration over the years. Um, you know, we work well with their specialists. In some cases, we have some of their specialists, um, you know, that, that we integrate into our organization here. Um, and provide services. So um, we're, we're trying, I think we all share a similar perspective around how we want to take care of patients, but you have to navigate it and they can be unusual um, uh, relationships or sometimes get really tested. Um, and then other times, you know, um, things bring you together, the pandemic, it brings you together. Um, so, but it's a, it's a relationship that we have to, we all have to be really intentionally managing.
0: And, and, and talk a little bit about how this, you know, were you is Winona sort of is it semi-rural suburban? How would you describe it?
1: Well, we are considered rural. I mean, our our community itself is uh, probably about twenty seven, twenty eight thousand. Our service areas is more like fifty thousand. Lacrosse Crosse and, and Rochester aren't big metro areas. They're sort of little bigger cities, you know, um, 120,000 maybe or so, 100,000 um, people. Um, and we get very diffuse, you know, as you get out. You get a lot of, like, even smaller little towns or just, you know, their farmland and things like this. So we get small fast. Um, but we are considered um, you a know, rural facility. But as you noted earlier, we're not that far away from cities that have – you know, really great tertiary level care.
0: Thank you. And then talk for a moment about in in sort of a semi-rural world, a rural world. How is competition changing? How is that changing from several years ago? Is it do you worry more about leakage to telehealth companies? Do you worry more about leakage to the big systems? How do you sort of look at competition and how is it evolving? Is it Walmart competition? What are you seeing in in the community you're in?
1: Yeah, you know, there's been so much activity, I think, in our industry. And, you know, we we sort of watch the disruptors, you know, the Walmarts, the Googles, the Amazons, the you know the CVSs all you know all of these things and yet i you know i think the play for you know some of the big disruptors is probably in in bigger metro areas um i think rural communities are a little bit more attached to you know um their local hospital organization or their local healthcare you know organization a bit more or you know the numbers get pretty small pretty fast so you know, does it make sense for some of these different disruptors, kind of, you know, coming in? So, you know, the telehealth part, you know, I, I we've been a kind of an early adopter of that from, you know, years ago with some grants that we that we had, and that's been a that's been a harder one to get uptake, for example, except when the pandemic came, and that sort of broke a lot of things open. But even as that escalated and and, and we went that direction for a period of time, that's also kind of really settled back down quite a bit. And I think that there's a use for that. There's a place for it. Um, But it is not the most of what people want. You know, um, they want that relationship with their provider. They want that face-to-face, you know, things like that. Um, And I guess the last, you know, comment I would make is I, I I think we're seeing some really different factors. That are framing what what is the competition about? You know, at one time, I think pre pandemic competition was about you know market share and you know growing that and those kinds of things. And today, the workforce issue um, has stalled that out a lot. And and I think this workforce issue is not going away anytime soon. So I, I think there's got to be a retooling, you know, of of thought about the care delivery system entirely with the resources that we have. So um, it's sort of a shifting perspective, perhaps.
0: Yeah, 100%. When you look at that concept, what do you look at as your top priority today? What what are, as you as you run the health system, the rural area, great health system, what are your top priorities today, Rochelle?
1: Well, we're, um, a couple of things that we're focusing on, you know, we put a stake in the ground about maybe seven years ago and, and just started the work in terms of value-based purchasing and population health. So we're we're kind of along, you know, um, and, and have continued, you know, that particular strategy. Um, and, you know, it took a few years to get the infrastructure in place to, you know, kind of redesign a whole bunch of things to really understand what does that look like, change our thinking and our, you know, um, well, really everything that goes along with, you know, managing prospectively, you know, what needs are and using data differently and, and that type of thing. So, um, you know, we're involved in a, you know, uh, a, a national collaborative ACO for our Medicare population. We have a relationship with the state for um, a, a, an ACO-like uh, arrangement for the Medicaid population. Um, and we've also entered into um, commercial contracts that are operating in that same sort of, you um, uh, framework, if you will, and so you know today we've got about 55% of our revenue in value-based agreements, which is you know I think pretty high, um, you know as far as organizations go. And but we see the value in doing that. We've seen the outcomes. We've seen total cost of care come down. We've seen you know the quality metrics, you know, being able to land those really systematically and continuously, really at high levels. So we're continuing you know all of that work, and then kind of in another path, I guess we're calling it digital transformation. I think it goes to the earlier question about, you know, maybe it's disruptors or, you know, a variety of different things, but really sort of thinking out, you know, what does healthcare look like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you know, that the digital world is a power that's just kind of coming in and and flipping things. And so we're trying to be very thoughtful and intentional about, you know, creating those experiences and ensuring that, we maintain relationships that, you know, we're bringing down the cost of healthcare, that we're ensuring high quality, that we're making sure that patients have a great experience. And so kind of that fusion of tech and the human being, um, how did those really come together in a seamless way to have like really great experiences for all of the stakeholders that are involved?
0: Fantastic. And, and, And if you were to look at biggest challenges today, is it staffing? Is it keeping the health system busy? What are the biggest challenges you face? You're going to give us, you know, a couple of the biggest challenges you see today.
1: Yeah, so I, I really today, right now, I would say, you know, staffing is is probably the number one issue. And it's not staffing of, you know, one discipline. It's not just nurses. It's not just doctors. It's not just, you know, a clinician. It is like every, you know, every role. And, you know, we are competing with every other business, not just in healthcare, but every other business for a very limited pool of people. And, you know, just the, you know, the demographics of, of Minnesota, when we look at, you know, the new, you know, every year, you know, sort of what is the population that comes into the workforce anew? It's, you know, been historically 30 to 40,000 people in the next 15 to 20 years, we're looking at 6,000 people and that's for every business. So it, pretty much is sort of dried up, so we're going to have to really think, how do we also protect our current staff that um, they don't get overwhelmed or burned out or decide to leave the industry or or things like that? So lots of issues to sort of redesign this, And, and so while it starts with workforce, it'll Permeates so many other, you know, areas of how do we redesign the entire delivery of healthcare? But I do think, you know, um, we're very excited about the work that we've been doing in terms of VBP and, and pop health, and you know what that looks like, and engaging patients differently, engaging families differently, um, engaging our community differently, um, and, and and that's been, you know, again, pretty successful for us. And I think we just need to continue to to build that out. Um, this is a very different era for everybody. Um,